Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning and welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you, and whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you've chosen to listen via the live stream, you can find on ESPNTucson.com. We do appreciate you tuning in on this morning here to get your news and information in the world of sports, and we do appreciate you choosing Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, as we know you have uh, other options of where to spend your time or where to lend your ears, or whether it's entertainment or news you're looking for. We appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show uh, every single morning from 7 to 9. We do have some tickets to give away here coming up in hour number two at some point, your chance to win the uh, the tickets, my tickets, to this Saturday's game against the UCLA Bruins. And we will discuss, we'll focus heavily on football here in hour number two as we are getting ready to kick off the uh, the weekend. Week five of the NFL starts this uh, this uh, this Thursday night tonight. Essentially, uh, the Rams and the Seahawks going to be uh, matching up tonight. An NFC West matchup. We'll have some of that for you. Uh, we'll also talk about some of the big games in college football as well, because lots of uh, lots of big matchups, lots of ranked teams going at it, and some big Pac-12 games. And the Pac-12 is going to be playing on Friday nights uh, now. And look, it's it's a situation that I'm not pleased with. I don't like the fact that the that the Pac-12 is essentially selling itself to other uh, to other nights other than Saturdays, you know, that's something that's th- – those are for mid-major conferences. But because of how hamstrung the Pac-12 has been due to the horrible negotiations done by Larry Scott and the Pac-12 network, uh, this is what the Pac-12 has relegated itself to. They have to they have to generate funds somehow. They have to generate revenue so playing on Thursdays and Friday nights is now part of the uh, part of the program for Pac-12 teams. I hope, hope that once George Klyovkov is able to negotiate a new television deal, whatever that new television deal looks like in a few years, that it puts the Pac-12 back on Saturdays where it belongs. You don't need to be playing on Thursdays and Fridays. You're not the MAC. You're not the AAC. You're not the you're not the Mountain West Conference. Okay, um, this is this is not. You know, this is big boy football needs to be treated as such. You don't see other conferences playing on Friday nights and Thursday nights. Everybody plays on Saturday. That's the way it goes. So um, let's hope that it gets back to that. But nonetheless, there are some Friday games uh, coming up. Of course, the Wildcats going to be playing on a Friday night game coming up in a few weeks. And uh, we'll be ready for that, uh, of course, as well. Also, um, just remember that uh, Bear Down Friday is going on this Friday at Main Gate Square. So be down there. Cheer on the team. Get them ready for the big pep rally at 6 o'clock and uh, get them ready for their game on Saturday. Big game against UCLA. Look, uh, the Bruins come in. They're, they're wounded. They, they just got smacked around by the Sun Devils in their, in their home stadium uh, last weekend. Um, gave up a lot of points. Gave up a lot of yards to Jaden Daniels and that offense. And uh, offensively, they got beat up pretty good, too. Devils defense is really good this year. So uh, DTR... Goes back to the drawing board with Chip Kelly. They're going to have to figure out how to score some more points because that defense is not getting any better, and it may be an opportunity for Arizona to get loose a little bit on offense, maybe score some points, finally break that 20-point mark that they've been trying to break since the second game of last year's campaign. So uh, we'll talk more about that coming up 
in uh, in a little bit today and tomorrow. We'll have a big breakdown for you of the uh, the U of A UCLA game coming up Saturday night. But be listening for your chance to win uh, my tickets to the game coming up at some point this hour. Uh, some other news and notes. I mentioned that uh, Baker Mayfield was. It, it's apparent that he's torn a uh, he's he's suffered a torn labrum in his left shoulder. He's been wearing uh, a shoulder brace. He says it doesn't bother him. I I'm calling BS on that. He wants to be a tough guy. I respect that. He wants to be a football player. I respect that. But uh, as a quarterback, you have to have your mechanics in place. Um, And sometimes it's not always about being the tough guy. You have to recognize when something is causing you problems and causing you issues and therefore causing your team to uh, not play as well, like scoring 14 points against the Minnesota Vikings in a game where you completed 43% of your passes or something, whatever the the percentage was there. Um, It was his second worst completion percentage of his career um, in the NFL. So may have to take a look at that. Jalen Smith, as I mentioned earlier on in the show, signed a, a one-year deal with the Green Bay Packers. Not surprised there. Look, the Packers, they were in the Stephon Gilmore sweepstakes. They wanted to bring Stephon Gilmore in because Jair Alexander gets hurt. They've got the rookie. Of course, Kevin King still in concussion protocol. Not sure when he's going to be released to play. Their secondary is a little bit beleaguered right now, as many other teams' secondaries are. It's been That's been the, the position that's been hit the hardest this year. A couple years ago, it was quarterbacks. Remember, every quarterback was going down uh, with an injury. This year, it's secondary players, safeties, corners. Those guys are all getting hurt, and teams are struggling right now to find good play, good starting players, good nickel players. Because, look, it's, now it's required. You've got to play nickel half the game in the NFL nowadays because of the amount of talent at wide receiver there is. There's, teams just can't, they can't deny the amount of talent that they have at wide receiver. So you've got to put them out there. You know, there are teams, look at, I mean, look at the Cardinals. Look at how much talent they have at wide receiver. Imagine, imagine any of those four receivers that the Cardinals have sitting on the bench for 45 plays a game, 50 plays a game. You, can't, you could never do that. How could you look at your offensive coordinator and, and say, like, yeah, we're, we're going you know, to sit uh, A.J. Green for 50 plays today. He's just, he's just not part of the package. We've got we to gotta run the football more with James Conner. We've got to get some, some uh, double tight end sets in there. And so, he'd look at you like you were crazy. Because you're, you're going to play Rondell Moore. You're going to play Christian Kirk. You're absolutely going to play DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, teams are playing nickel a lot more, and it's important to have secondary players. And there's a lot of teams out there that are really struggling right now to find those guys. So the Packers were in on Stephon Gilmore, couldn't afford it, though, because if they had, uh, you know, found a way to make that trade and pay him uh, for the year, it it would not have been a situation where uh, they could have signed anybody else in the season without cutting other players, and that was just going to be – it was going to get ugly. Not to mention – I think, I think Gilmore was looking for a more, um, I guess, stable home, if you will. Look, the Packers, I don't, I don't know what they're going to look like next year. We got Aaron Rodgers making eyes at Mike Tomlin on the sideline. You got Devontae Adams basically saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to decide on my future yet. Uh, and I'll ride with Aaron, you know, whatever. We don't know what that team's going to look like next year. So no Aaron Rodgers, no Devontae Adams next year. The Green Bay Packers look very different. Maybe Stephon Gilmore, uh, you know, not happy playing for a five-win team uh, next season. So he went home to, to Charlotte. It was a good move by the uh, by the Panthers. Panthers GM has been making his first year as a GM. He's made like five trades already this year. Like that's crazy. That's a, that's a lot. You don't see midseason trades like this in the NFL very often. There's 
you know, big one obviously yesterday that, of course, Jalen Smith signing with the Packers today. Without Zadarius Smith, they've been in trouble at the linebacker position, uh, have the Green Bay Packers. They've had some injuries there. Um, they haven't had a whole lot of steady play. Jalen Smith, who had one great season in the NFL, the 2018 season, of course, played extremely well, got himself a contract, and uh, was happy to see that, got himself a, a nice contract extension. But the last two seasons have not been great for Jalen Smith, which is why the Cowboys – went out and drafted Micah Parsons, why they've been play, uh, playing uh, Vander Esch more. Uh, Keanu Neal came, came in to play linebacker. He's been playing a lot more. So there's reasons why Jalen Smith was on the block. Uh, but the Packers needed somebody. They got Jalen Smith. If he can somehow find a way to resurrect his career, I think we're all kind of rooting for him based on you know his history and the, the, the catastrophic knee injury that occurred when he was at Notre Dame. Uh, so, you know, look, I'm happy that, that he's got himself a team. We'll see how it works out for the Packers there. Packers are looking good. Obviously, they're, they're playing extremely extremely well. They're certainly much better than they were in week one against the New Orleans Saints. They're going to be an interesting team to watch down the stretch because, you know, as, you know, as I've mentioned, when you have, when you have Aaron Rodgers, you're, in, you're going to be in every game. Uh, you've got an opportunity to, you know, to, to be in just about every game if you have Aaron Rodgers. But that defense, they're going to be tested here. And, and you know, the, the division they play in stinks. Obviously, the Lions are freaking terrible. Uh, the Bears are awful. And the Minnesota Vikings continue to be like, are they good? Are they not good? <laughs> Can they score points? Can they not score points? The defense has been okay. But, again, uh, I don't know how long Mike Zimmer is for that uh, head coaching spot there in Minnesota. We'll keep an eye on that. There's some games in London going on this weekend. Yeah, there's uh, – you know, don't forget about that because, you know, NFL continues to play games in London and continues to push their product on uh, on other uh, fan bases and stuff. Now, here's here's the problem. Now, this is the real problem with the games in London. I don't, I don't care where they play the games as long as the games count, as long as I can watch it on TV at some point, uh, even though it's going to be on at 5 o'clock in the morning or whatever it is. Whatever, that's fine. The problem is, is that they keep sending garbage over to London to play. Like, they're sending the worst teams in the league to go play. You know who's playing there on Sunday? The Jets and the Falcons. Two wins this year. One of them got lucked into. And then the following week in London, because they're going to play another game next week in London, next Sunday, those two teams are the Dolphins and the Jaguars. One win between the two teams. And that was against a rookie quarterback in his first start ever in the NFL. (laughs) So of the 30 games that have been played in London, there hasn't been a single game, not a single one, between two teams with winning records. Not one. Every single game has featured a team with a losing record. And a lot of times, it's a team that's absolute crap. And I mean garbage. Dumpster fire, hot trash, just absolute garbage. You know who's never played in, in London? The Green Bay Packers. 31 NFL teams have played a game in London. The only one that hasn't is the Green Bay Packers. I wonder why that is. I'd like to ask the NFL why the Green Bay Packers have never had to play in London. Because, look, team, look, players hate it. The players hate playing in London. Like, the trip is fun and everything, but they all talk about it. And I've talked about this. They've all talked about what happens afterwards. Like, there's the preparation the week of is basically the same 
but you you know you got to get on a flight earlier and things like that. You spend a little more time, and you're doing some ambassador work over there and stuff like that. It's you know it's a little bit more of a business trip outside the lines sometimes than it is inside the lines. Um, there's a little bit more aspect of that because you're an ambassador for the for the league overseas and all this other stuff. But they all talk about the lag that occurs afterwards, like how much teams struggle when they come back from London has been a problem for for a lot of players and for a lot of teams and coaches. They just hate playing those London games. So when you look at when you look at the teams like okay, going all the way back to two thousand and seven. That year, the Dolphins, who were 0-7, played in that game against the Giants. In 2009, the Buccaneers, who were 0-6, played in a game against the Patriots. In 2010, this is a good one, the 2-5 Broncos taking on the 1-6 San Francisco 49ers. What a gem that was back in 2010. Sure, the fans in London love that one. How about 2013's matchup? Winless, two winless teams, the Steelers and the Vikings, both with zero wins on the season in that game. The following year, the winless Jaguars were in that game. The year after that, the Dolphins and the Raiders combined for one win at the time that they had played in London. 2014, the Jags are back again, 1-8, and eight, playing in London. 2015, guess, guess who? The 1-5 Jacksonville Jaguars. 2015, the 1-6 Detroit Lions. Yeah, the Jaguars have been there like 11 times. <laughs> what is going on? They keep getting sent over there. Like NFL is like here, you nobody wants to watch you play here. Go, go to London and go play over there. <laughs> they played a bunch of times, and they're playing again next week. Dolphins and Jaguars. Jags are zero and four right now. Oh god, they sent the zero and seven Browns to London once. Good lord, the zero and seven Bengals from two years ago. Oh, listen, how about? Maybe sending a good product over there. If you want to be a good ambassador, like, imagine this. Like, imagine being a good Samaritan, okay? And you're going to donate some clothing and some food to somebody, okay? You're going to, you're going to find a, a, a needy family, you know, maybe not even a needy family. You're just, you're just going to do something out of, out of goodwill, okay? Maybe, maybe you're going to, uh, you, you know, in, in, enhance your, your neighborhood culture by inviting, you know, some, some people who are not familiar with your culture about your culture. You're going to give them some food and some clothing and things like that. And the food you bring them makes them sick. And the clothes you bring them don't fit. They're kind of ratty. Maybe you didn't wash them. Like one of the shirts is itchy. What kind of goodwill and ambassadorship does that, you know, does that paint on you? So the NFL has been sending crap teams to London every year. This will be the thirtieth, the 29th and the 30th games that are played in London. Not a single time has two winning teams played against each other in that game. <laughs> I mean, seriously. What, is, what in the world is going on? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. But uh, they'll continue to send teams over there. To have games played in London because they want to spread the love of the NFL, try to make some more money, um, you, you know. And, and look, we, you know, this is this this will get discussed every year, and, and it gets it gets kind of I don't want to say swept under the rug because I think for the most part, American fans don't care about the numbers and things like that, the revenue that London brings in, and the NFL will try to paint this picture like NFL London is working, and well, you know, we're gaining traction and we're getting this. Look, the ratings are terrible. Okay. 
fan interaction there is basically just like they you know they they show these fans and stuff. But what they do is the NFL buys up a bunch of the tickets for the games and distributes them through uh, you know corporations and businesses and things like that in the in the areas there around London. So it's a lot of business people that are like given a free ticket. They're like, hey, wear a jersey to the game, okay? Um, you know. Get get a jersey for the you know for the thing. We're gonna give you free tickets to the game. Here's a jersey. Go wear the jersey. Wear a hat, whatever. Wear a shirt. Get a jacket, a sweatshirt, a hoodie, whatever. Go to the game, and like they don't, you know, they don't know like half the time what they're watching. It'd be like me going to a soccer match. Just be like, oh, what what's happening here? I, at least I know enough about soccer. I played when I was a kid. I think I know enough about it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Settle down. All right. So there's some news and notes from the NFL. Obviously, some big games tonight we'll, coming up this weekend. We'll talk about the one coming up tonight um, as well, and we'll get to, into some college football games. There's some big college football games going on this weekend, and I want to make sure that we discuss some of those uh, coming up. Also, NBA was in action. The Suns beat the Lakers last night in some preseason. DeAndre Ayton goes out there, gets a double-double like he always does. Still without getting that bag, though. And the the pressure is mounting on Robert Sarver and the Suns to get him signed. We'll see what happens. Of course, we'll follow it very, very closely um, as the days continue to tick by without a new extension for DeAndre Ayton. Fury and Wilder are back in the ring this Saturday. I'm super, super excited to see this because look, this has been this has been a good a good matchup for these two guys. Look, Tyson Fury is crazy. He's like he's he's ridiculously good. He's so big, and so he's he's the biggest fighter in the division, and he's the best boxer in the division. Like, that's not fair. However, there is one guy who can match up against him, that's Deontay Wilder. And FanDuel Sportsbook wants to give new customers exclusive 30-to-1 odds on either fighter to win, because either fighter can win, whether it be Tyson Fury with his technical aspect and his defense and the fact that, he, in fact, in my opinion, he's won both of the two fights that they previously fought, or with Deontay Wilder, you just never know. He's got dynamite in those fists, and he can knock anybody out. And if he gets a clean shot on Tyson Fury, there could be fireworks in the ring. And, look, FanDuel wants to give you 30-to-1 odds on either fighter to win. So you can have fun. With a $5 bet, you can win up to $150 because you can just play your heart's content on this. You can just be like, I want Tyson Fury to win. I'm going to put five on Fury. I want Deontay Wilder to win. I want to watch him knock out Tyson Fury. I'm going to put five bucks on on uh, on Wild on on, uh, on Wilder to win. And it's just, you know, it, it makes it a lot more fun when watching the fight. You get a little more invested in it, obviously, and uh, you can make bets with your buddies and stuff like that on the side as well. But with FanDuel in your corner, you're always going to get exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more. That's why they're America's number one sports book. They do a phenomenal job of providing promotions and special gifts and things like that to their uh, to, you know to their subscribers and if you sign up with my promo code Dean you can get in on the action today with FanDuel Sportsbook you can do boxing you can do NASCAR you can do obviously football college and pro there's soccer there's hockey NBA coming up of course and a whole lot more to get involved with and the the boxing aspect is going to be a whole lot of fun because they're giving you that promotion 30 to 1 odds on either fighter to win it's just that good. Sign up with my promo code DEAN, and you'll get to experience all of the fun that FanDuel Sportsbook has to offer. 21 and over and present in Arizona. New users only $10 first deposit is required. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bonus is $150. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com.
If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. More football after this. It's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Seahawks and Rams tonight on Thursday Night Football. Of course, you can check all the action out with our friends Spears and Ali from 3 to 6 tonight. They're going to be on the corner of Cortero and I-10, not just standing on the corner. They're going to be inside the Native Grill and Wings located on the corner of Cortero and I-10 where you can check out all the Thursday night football action from uh, 3 to 6 tonight. Of course, uh, the, the broadcast is going to be live there, and then the game, which kicks off about 5.30, you can stay there and watch the game on their 40 televisions. Enjoy their 12 taps, uh, d- 12 draft beers that they have on tap there. And if you download the Native Grill and Wings Loyalty app, you can get all kinds of offers on food and drink specials and such. So come on down tonight to the Thursday night football party at Native Grill and Wings in Marana the home of the original Arizona wing with our friends Spears and Ali. So the, the, the game tonight, of course, Seahawks and Rams, the, the word rivalry comes to mind, I think, when, when you think about this particular matchup, especially lately, because of just how tightly the, the games have been played amongst the, you know, among the two teams. Now, of course, Pete Carroll and Sean McVay, they go back quite a ways. They've been there long enough now. They've had some real battles over the last few years. There haven't been a whole lot of blowouts. There was there was like one big time blowout early on in the in the series between the two. Um, the Rams beat the hell out of um, beat the hell out of uh, the Seahawks up in up in Seattle, which was a huge upset. I remember I remember the time they beat them by like four touchdowns. Uh, but other than that, all the games have been really close. In fact, there's been like. Six games decided by uh, four points or less, I believe, in this series. So it's been it's been a good one. five points or less, maybe. It's been it's been a good series, and there's been a lot of trash talk between the two teams as well. You remember the whole uh, send them to Cabo or welcome to Cabo or head to Mexico and lighten the victory cigars on the field and all this other stuff. And there's been all kinds of trash talk between these two teams and the players, and a lot of those players are still there, like Jamal Adams and. Uh, you, you know, um, obviously with uh, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Robert Woods, who was one of those guys who got involved in the trash talking recently. Uh, you know, he tweeted out the uh, uh, sent them boys to Cancun after knocking them out of the playoffs and, and all that kind of stuff. So there's been some trash talk. There is not uh, any love lost between these two teams and, uh, you know, specifically the players that are going to be on the field. They know each other very well. And there could be some some real tensions. Um, I remember, I think it was was it last year or 2019? Like one of the like one of the Seattle, I can't remember if it was an offensive lineman or if it was a tight end or something. But they went after Aaron Donald, like they gouged him basically. Like they they were trying to gouge him at the bottom of the pile. It might have been it must have been an offensive lineman. That's some things that offensive linemen like to do. They're trying to gouge him, and Donald went berserk. I mean, he was. He was angry the entire game and was throwing guys around. You can probably see some of that stuff coming out tonight as well. So there's a little bit more at stake here for these two teams on this Thursday night game than just a win or a loss. Obviously, that's what they're that's what they're aiming for. They want to get that W, but man, there has been some 
some, some real talk between the two. And, uh, you know, look, Jalen Ramsey going to be lined up across from DK Metcalf. That one's going to be a lot of fun because you've got probably the best corner in football against one of the most physically imposing receivers in football. Um, that one, you, you know, that one should be good. Um, you know, it's, you know, they they match up very well against one another. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch, and I think it's one that that's, should be taken note of, of course, uh, during this game that they have tonight. Now, Metcalf has not done very well against Jalen Ramsey in the past. I think he's got like, like he has like two catches a game when they play against the Rams. He's only averaging like 28 yards receiving against Jalen Ramsey. So Jalen Ramsey has been able to get in his head and shut him down quite a bit. But there will be plenty of trash talk of the night, probably some shoving, some pushing, some shoving, maybe some some uh, uh, some after-the-whistle type of extracurricular activities, if you will. Um, the Seahawks have been known to be kind of a kind of a cheap shot team over the years. You know, I know that they're dealing with the 49ers and the Cardinals. That you know, I've talked to players and coaches for the Cardinals that have discussed it during the time that Pete Carroll has been there. That they're kind of like a cheap team to play against. And I know that from you know watching their matchups against the 49ers over the years that that is definitely true as well. And then watching the eye gouging and stuff like that of Aaron Donald from a couple of years ago, you know those are all things that come into play. And teams don't like that kind of stuff. Like you know, players don't like that kind of stuff. You know, this is this is professional football. You're dealing with guys' livelihoods, and uh, gouging eyes and taking out knees from behind and stuff like that are stuff that doesn't go over well with other players and other professionals in the league. And, and the, the Seahawks have been doing that kind of stuff for quite some time. And, you know, the Rams have been able to stand up to them. They've been able to smack them around a little bit, and they've been offering some trash talk as well. So we'll see who sends who to Cancun tonight, who lights the victory cigars after the Thursday night dust is settled. It's Look, it's, it's, it's going to be a good game regardless. Both these teams are really good. Um, you know, we know that the Seahawks are good, that they have the potential. The defense in the second half has been terrible, though. They can't get teams off the field. And any time you can keep Russell Wilson on the sideline is going to be advantageous for your team. But then on the other side, you know, you get the Rams who looked like they were the best team in football until they got smacked around by the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. So eh, this is this is going to be competitive. I'm really going to I'm really looking forward. This is one of the very few Thursday night games that I actually look forward to. Most of the time Thursday night games I, I think are just kind of largely garbage. And a big part of that is because Every player in the league hates playing on them. Every single – I've never talked to a player, ever, that said that they like playing Thursday games. Not a single one of them. And I've talked to a lot of them. Coaches don't like them. Players hate them. So a lot of times you get a lackluster product on Thursday night football. However, when you inject a rivalry into it, like you have tonight, these two teams are going to go at it. I think they're going to get a good product tonight. I think it's going to be a very, very – fun, watchable game tonight, so be ready for that. There should be uh, plenty going on in that game tonight. All right, let's do it one more time. Your last chance to win my tickets to this Saturday's game, Arizona Wildcats taking on the UCLA Bruins this Saturday night at Arizona Stadium. Your last chance to text to win my tickets to the game, my personal tickets, just text the word HALFTIME to 68683. That's HALFTIME. Text it to 68683. That is the number that you'll be texting it to. Message and data rates may apply to register for your chance to win a pair of my tickets to Saturday's game. We're going to give away two pair. We're going to announce the winners tomorrow morning, and then we will just feed those tickets right to your phone. We'll just pop them right over there, text them over to you. You'll have them digitally ready to go on your phone and uh, and ready to go. So 
Text right now. There's a small window opening for the next several minutes. Halftime, the 68683. Text now for your chance to win my tickets to the game. Good luck and go Wildcats. All right, when we return, some college football games that definitely need to be noted coming up this weekend. That's next. You're listening here to The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, folks, it is 105 years ago today when the biggest blowout in the history of college football occurred. It was October 7th, 1916. Cumberland College went down to Atlanta to take on the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech had a rousing victory, piling up 978 yards rushing in the game before the forward pass was allowed. They scored 32 rushing touchdowns in the game. 32. Cumberland, negative 42 yards rushing, did have uh, 14 yards passing, 2 of 18 passing. They they were allowed to pass the ball. I was just kidding there. Uh, 2 of 18 passing in the game for 14 yards. Through six interceptions, they also fumbled the ball nine times. Georgia Tech would come out winners 222 to nothing. (laughs) The rambling wreck of Georgia Tech uh, absolutely lambasted the Cumberland College. I don't remember what the Cumberland College mascot is. It doesn't even matter. They're roadkill now. 222 to nothing. It was 105 years ago today. 978 yards rushing and 32 rushing touchdowns. I just love that stat. That is that is awesome to me. <laughs> so today is the uh, 105th anniversary of that. Always a fun trivia question, like what was the score of the biggest, most lopsided victory in the history of college football? Uh, always a fun one. And now, I don't think we're going to see any 222 to nothing games this weekend, but there are some big ones. Obviously, Penn State and Iowa right at the top of the list. The two of the top five ranked teams in the country, Penn State going into Iowa City to take on the Hawkeyes, who have looked really, 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 really good this year. I mean, I'm both teams have have looked solid. Iowa has dominated every team that they've played, so it's going to be a, a, a fun one to watch. And look, they look these two teams have history. Penn State's gone in there ranked in the top five uh, a few times. I know in um, in 2008 when they went to Kinnick Stadium, they were nine and zero. They were you know, looking to be, uh, you know, a, a, you know, BCS berth. And uh, uh, Iowa ended up coming back. I think it was like a 10-point like comeback in that game. Ended up coming back and winning that game. And then, um, you know, just a few, you know, a few years ago, Trace McSorley, quarterback of Penn State, they're down 19-15 at Kinnick Stadium, and he takes them on a long drive and basically throws a walk-off touchdown pass in the game to uh, to walk off the Indy Lions at Kinnick Stadium. There's been a lot of a lot of drama in that uh, in that series. A lot of really really close games, and I expect this one to be really close as well. Both teams play really good defense. Uh, we'll have a, you know a little bit more breakdown of that tomorrow when I do my Friday Five. It's definitely going to be in my Friday Five. Also, another big game, a rivalry game. The Red River Shootout is back, back to normal at least. Um, it's going to kick off at uh, 9 a.m. bright and early here in Arizona on ABC. They're going to be, playing, of course, playing in the Cotton Bowl like they always do. Last year's crowd, they you know there was 
like you know no crowd or whatever. There's like ten percent or whatever they you know, allowed like five hundred people from each side, whatever. Um, so there's you know there's that aspect of it. The fans are going to be back, fired up for the game. And I think interestingly enough, the two best players in this matchup are both players from Arizona. Spencer Rattler, of course, quarterback at Oklahoma, played his high school football up in Phoenix. And Bijan Robinson, who many people consider to be the best tailback in the country, I would agree, of course, played his football right down there at South Point in Tucson. So two of the best players in this game, in one of the biggest games this Saturday, both repping the state of Arizona. Now, unfortunately, they weren't able to stay here in Arizona. They went east to play in the Big 12. But nonetheless, that's why they do it. That's, you know, they're they're playing on the big stage. Um, and this is part of the problem with the Pac-12 and the reason it's been the way it has been for the last dozen years or so because of stuff like this. Now, the Red River shootout game, number six, Oklahoma, has been underwhelming this year, but they continue to win. That's the most important thing. Uh, Texas, number 21 in the country, they've been, you know, kind of up and down. The defense has been a little bit iffy. I'm going to feature this one in my Friday Five tomorrow as well, but I just thought it was interesting that uh, that both of the top players in this game, you know, the, the players that are going to be relied upon most and the most talked about players in this game on opposite sides are both from the same state, of course, right here in Arizona. Big SEC matchup, the oldest rivalry in the history of Southland football, Georgia and Auburn renew their rivalry. That game is going to be on CBS. Um, that game is going to kick off at about 1230. The, the history of this game is spread far and wide. There have been just about anything you could possibly imagine happening in a history of rivalry games has occurred in the Georgia-Auburn game. They, I, I watched a video yesterday. I totally forgot about this because I grew up – a buddy of mine growing up was from Alabama. He and his family were from Alabama. They moved out here. Uh, his dad got a job out here. They moved out here. But they're big Auburn fans, huge Auburn fans. So I was influenced to watch Auburn. I'd go over to the house and we'd watch Auburn football, and it was a lot of fun. We got to watch – I got introduced to the Iron Bowl at a very young age and, you know, interested like, oh, there's other rivalries other than Arizona and Arizona State. I wasn't aware of that. Um so, you know, watching Auburn, and I remember watching the Auburn-Georgia game and how, like, like just how glued to the TV these people were. Like, this whole the whole family was just glued to the television set because it was all about beating Georgia. I mean, you got to beat Alabama at the end of the year, but you got to beat Georgia. You cannot lose the game to Georgia. And in that game, the game, the game was played at Jordan-Hare, which is where it's going to be played this year. Georgia wins the game on, like, a, like a last-second – like they, like a like a quarterback sneak, basically they snuck it in there, get the get the win, and the fans, the Georgia fans, were going nuts. Okay, so Georgia fans storm the field. They're trying to get the Georgia fans off the field. They turn the fire hoses on, so they have these fire hoses at Jordan Air. They turn the fire hoses on. It was bitter cold that night. Uh, everybody's wearing jackets and you know big heavy jackets and stuff, as cold as it gets, I guess, in in the uh, in the plains of Alabama. And they turn the water jets on, and they're trying to get these people off the field. And the Georgia fans are grabbing, like they're pulling up tufts of, of grass from, this, from midfield trying to destroy the Auburn logo. Then the Auburn grounds crew comes out with shovels, and they're like swinging them at people. I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening right now? It was absolutely insane. It was, it was pandemonium. I remember watching that game. I'm like, oh, this is fun. I was like, I don't know, I was like 10 or 11 years old. That was the greatest thing ever. So there's been plenty of history in that game, 
And uh, Georgia-Auburn, Georgia is about as good as it gets on defense as you'll ever see. Like, they are just – we know this, right? I mean, they, they're just – they're absolutely ridiculous on defense. They've gotten a couple guys back from uh, early suspension. They're back for this game, and Auburn has been a little bit iffy. Um, so we'll talk about that, of course, tomorrow. That's going to be in the Friday Five. You can bet your booties that's going to be in the Friday Five because that's going to be a fun one. Uh, Bo Nix with one of the most ridiculously remarkable plays you'll ever see from a quarterback in last week's game. If you haven't seen it, look it up. Bo Nix, all you have to do is just – Google Bo Nix, and it'll come up. It's just Bo, B-O-N-I-X is his last name, if you're not familiar. Look it up. It's insane. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then we'll have some other games featured in the Friday Five tomorrow. There's there's some other interesting ones. I know like a lot of people are like, circling Alabama, Texas A&M. Texas A&M sucks. They've got uh, so much re- ridiculously good talent at Texas A&M. They've got... There are five guys on that A&M Aggies team right now that are going to be drafted in the NFL. Five guys are going to be drafted in the NFL in the first two, three rounds of the, of the upcoming NFL draft. They have that good a talent. However, they cannot figure out a quarterback to, who's going to play, and therefore there's been, a huge, there's been huge problems. They haven't been able to, uh, to get any kind of offense going. Bad news when you're playing Alabama, the number one team in the country, and I – I don't. I don't think I'll be featuring that one in the Friday Five. I think Alabama is going to run away with that. I think they're already big favorites. I think there's maybe a 13 point favorite in that game. Probably should be more. I know it's played at Kyle Field and Alabama's lost there before. Blah 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 blah. Don't think it's going to happen this year. Alabama's head and shoulders above what uh, uh, you know what what Jimbo's running out there. And then the Friday night game, you know, Pac-12, Stanford at Arizona State. That's a big game. Stanford coming off their big overtime win against Oregon, knocking Oregon from the uh, from the number three ranking. Oregon, as I mentioned yesterday, they're still in it for the championship. They can still get into the playoff. Uh, this the season is not over for the Pac-12. They can, you know, still continue to cannibalize themselves underneath Oregon as long as Oregon keeps winning and Ohio State keeps winning. Oregon's resume will continue to rise, and obviously they'll need Stanford to win. Now, this is an interesting game, and it's not going to be in my Friday Five because it's a Friday night game. The game's going to kick off at 7.30. It's played in Tempe. Stanford is a huge underdog. I think they're 13-point underdog in the game, something like that, some ridiculous number. Um, but this is, this, this is going to be a slobber knocker. I think this will be a real slobber knocker. Both these teams play pretty good defense. They both like to run the football. It'll just be interesting to see if – if, if ASU can get the big plays in their passing game like they got against UCLA. I don't think they will. I think UCLA's – well, I don't think. I know UCLA's pass defense is garbage. Um, they got a lot of big plays. They had like 260 yards on big plays in the passing game against UCLA. That's not going to happen against Stanford. So they're going to have to rely on other things to be able to win the football game. I actually like Stanford to win this game, and I know that's – Probably just me being an anti, you know, anti, you know, scummy fan, whatever. But uh, I, I actually like Stanford to win this football game. I think they're going to be riding a wave of confidence. Short, uh, you know, short week, and uh, ASU obviously coming off a big win. They're very, they're very proud of their win, and they should be uh, of what they did at the Rose Bowl on uh, on Saturday. But uh, kind of, there's something about Stanford. There's something about the Stanford team. Like since they got. The quarterback situation figured out. They're playing very different football right now. They're very confident. Uh, they're a good football team. So we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow night. But I kind of like Stanford to win that game. I'll still reserve judgment on that. And finally, that this was newsworthy in the world of college football, is a new rivalry trophy 
has been introduced to the landscape of college football. We love rivalry trophies, the history of them. Of course, we have one of the greatest ones in all of college football here with the Territorial Cup. And this Saturday, the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs will be taking on the Fighting Camels of Campbell University. (laughs) Both both schools located in the state of North Carolina, and they're going to be playing for a new inaugural trophy called the Hog Trophy. It's the East-West Barbecue Bowl of North Carolina. Folks, I'm not making this up. This is too good to be true, or too good to be false, I should say. The two schools are located about 200 miles apart, the east and east and west in uh, in North Carolina. Now, North Carolina, a very, very proud community in their uh, in their realm of barbecue. And trust me, I love me some good barbecue. And I love me some good North Carolina barbecue. Now, the difference is, is these two schools have come from regions that have very different philosophies on how to cue. Some, uh, one side is the whole hog cue, and the other side is like, the shoulders and like getting all like the, the, the juicy, the juicy parts of the pig. So when one side is saying your, you know, your, 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 your barbecue is dry and uh, you know, nobody wants to eat that dry stuff. And the other side is like, yours doesn't taste good enough because it wasn't whole hogged and you cook it with all the stuff. They, they have a good rivalry going on, but they're going to be introducing this rivalry. The East West barbecue bowl is this Saturday. Folks, you're not going to want to mess it. The Campbell, Fighting Camels against the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs. Uh, these two teams have only played each other twice <laughs> since they became four-year institutions in the 1970s. But the loser of the game will have to supply a barbecue spread to the winner, representing their fiercely debated regional styles from each end of the state. So Gardner-Webb on the uh, the west side and Campbell on the east side. So and it's fun. And it's a big pig trophy. There's a like a like a scarf or something laid over the top of it there. Yeah, the East-West Barbecue Bowl, the Hog Trophy going on this Saturday. Love rivalry trophies. This one involves food. I'm all in. Uh, I'm going to say go Gardner-Webb. Go running Bulldogs. We, we've played them in basketball before. They're pretty cool. So go Gardner-Webb. Win the first inaugural version of the Hog Trophy and enjoy your lunch. All right. When we return, we'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow, if that's even possible, on today's show. You're listening here to The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, some programming news and notes to uh, get out to you here before we get out of here turn things over to ESPN syndicated programming and then of course to Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6. We're going to be joining the Red Sox and Rays game in progress. That game starts at about 445. They're going to be joining it in progress immediately following Spears and Ali. We're not going to preempt the the boys so we let them have their fun and then we'll join the Red Sox and Rays in progress tonight at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow though bright and early 1030 a.m. coverage starts for the White Sox and Astros in uh, in their game. So that game's going to be uh, starting about, the coverage is going to start about 10.30. We're going to have White Sox and Astros tomorrow morning. And then tomorrow night, we have your coverage of the Dodgers and the Giants, the National League Division Series Game 1 between the Dodgers and the Giants right here on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, also streaming live on ESPNTucson.com. Over the weekend, 
we got the Alabama-Texas A&M game coming up. That's going to be Saturday. Uh, that game is at 4.30, I believe it is. And then Sunday action in the NFL, of course, right here, your stop for NFL in Tucson uh, at, at ESPN Tucson. we got the Eagles and the Panthers kicking off. Coverage starts at 9.30, kickoff shortly after 10 a.m., and then the uh, the afternoon game, Giants and Cowboys. Big matchup in the in the, in the, in the NFC East. Easy for me to say. NFC East. Um, look, I've heard some people are picking the Giants to win this game. I don't know. I don't know about that yet. I'm not, I'm not willing to pick the Giants to win anything right now, especially not against the Cowboys, who are flexing their muscle. And if you're looking for some uh, basketball, Suns and Lakers Sunday night right here on ESPN Tucson as well. So a weekend full of sports, and it starts this afternoon. Immediately following Spears and Ali with American League Division Series Game 1, Red Sox and Rays tonight. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her help and making sure that we stay on the air and keeping me on task as best as she can. And, of course, thanks to you guys, of course, for tuning in here every single weekday morning from 7 to 9 for Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Big show tomorrow. You won't want to miss it. My Friday 5 and a whole lot more. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali from 3 to 6 today, and I'll see you guys again tomorrow right here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.